how you want to start it. I don't know. Just record some conversation and we'll pick something out. All right. Are you recording? I'm not, but you know, like, just, like a, just you're listening it. to Utah Open Lands podcast. This is Acres Away. Stories of land conservation from the trenches. Stories behind land conservation. Behind land conservation. Stories behind land conservation. That sounds good. That's how we'll start. Probably the first thing that I maybe gave a little check for myself was I drove up to the gate and there's this huge sign there that says, you know, by entering the premises, you agreed to be script searched. And I'm thinking, is this really the way most conservation projects begin? And welcome to this month's episode of Acres Away. That familiar voice was Wendy Fisher, Utah Open Land Executive Director. And this month, you will also hear a new voice. Hello. Okay. Okay, you're ready. You're ready to go. Hey, guys. This is Sarah. I'm the programs assistant here at Utah Open Lands. So what's the podcast uh, about this time? Galena Sunkani Preserve. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Yes. So you can tell us. Well... A little bit about it. A lot of bit about it. I probably can. <laughs> Utah Open Land started their work on protecting the Galena Sunkani Preserve in the 90s. It's no surprise then that we have come to know a lot of people over that time who have been involved in one way or another. Michelle Weeks, Draper City Council member, is also the chair of the Jordan River Commission. When you look back from the 80s, you know, when we were polluting the Jordan River, and you look to now, 2018, you can see that there has been a tremendous amount of education. And we understand that there is a partnership between us and nature. If we abuse nature, we're going to pollute our water. And eventually that's going to trickle back to us. So when we met with Michelle Weeks, Soren Simonson, the executive director of the Jordan River Commission, was also there. As people saw the, the kind of reawakened beauty of the Jordan River, education about this ecological system was always very, very high on people's minds as, A, we need to care for it, but B, the best way to care for it is to create an entire community of stewards. The Galena is a really great opportunity to expand those connections of what you learn in the classroom, what you're learning in laboratories and uh, community centers and visitor centers, and actually then go out and have experiences in nature. The Galena Sunkani site is a great example of an outdoor classroom where students can see many aspects and uh, facets of that ecological system right in one location. It's really important to protect these open spaces because as much as we protect them, they'll protect us. That was Max, one of the students from Roland Hall who visits Galena regularly on field trips, along with a number of his classmates. Hi, I'm Max. I'm Gosha. Augie. My name is Jonah. My name is Katie. If we start to conserve other lands and we're able to inform people about these other lands, say, hey, here's this place in your backyard, it will give people a better appreciation for nature or just a better understanding of why nature is important and why we want to preserve it and why we why we need these ecosystems in place and why we just need to keep these species alive. There's a growing urbanization in Draper and if uh, we continue urbanizing we can destroy the wildlife in itself. If we didn't 
protect them, they would almost certainly struggle to get by or at least drastically change. Being out on the site with these kids is extremely rewarding. They really take what they learn from the classroom and translate it into how it affects their own communities. So wildlife was not the only reason why Galena was protected, I hear. What, what, what are some other ones? Utah Open Lands protects properties for many reasons. Some of them include uh, the water quality of the property, the recreational opportunities that are out on the land, and our cultural heritage is also another big one, and that's just to name a few. And those are all things that we can find out on the Galena Sunkani Preserve. So would you say that these values affect our day-to-day lives or impact us daily? I mean... Absolutely. I think if we miss out on those things, um, we lose the cohesion of our communities. Um, We lose the things that bring us solace and peace as individuals, which we need in our busy day-to-day lives. And I think overall, it just increases our quality of life. That's what people have moved to Draper and some of the outskirts of Salt Lake City is because they're looking for a certain quality of life that includes the open space. I didn't move to Draper to live right on top of my neighbors. I moved to Draper because I love the Jordan River. I love the mountains. I love the opportunity for recreation. You know, I've, I've had experiences on the Jordan River going back probably 20 years. I've lived in Utah for about 25. As, as my kids have uh, grown up, we've paddled the river in canoes. We've biked the trail. But I'd never come as far south as Draper. And I remember my experience riding through the Galena Sunkani Preserve. Uh, we started at the very north end of the river. So by the time we got down to Draper, we were pretty hot and sweaty. It was about 1 in the afternoon and about 95 degrees. And we rode up on this little bluff. But as I looked out across the landscape there, I'm like, this is very different from the parts of the Jordan River I'm used to. But it is incredible. Uh, I've worked for the division for about, let's see, about two and a half years now and have been uh, co-managing this property for about maybe two of those years. This is Ben Steinman. So I work for the Divisional Forestry Fire Institute Lands, who owns uh, the property here at Galena. I really enjoy having Utah Open Lands as a partner here because this is kind of silly, but it kind of feels like having like your older brother at the playground with you. Yeah. Um, kind of <laughs> someone to get your back a little bit. So, yeah. Um, so I really enjoy having that extra level of of uh, security to know that you know the decisions that we make and, and things are, are backed up by a really well-respected group like Utah Open Lands. I personally think that the, the preserve, uh, it's essential that it's protected because um, this site has such a tremendous archaeological uh, value. All right, so Marie, I just want to, I would just want to hear you say the word first. Archaeological. <laughs> Come on. Archaeological. The thing about Galena is that it definitely has all of this archaeological value that you can get really geeky and scientific about because it does tell us a tremendous amount about what happened centuries, thousands of years ago. And that, as Andy Yench mentions, has sort of signposts for what we can expect in the future. But for me, the thing that is really humbling is the significance that it has to seven different Native American tribes here in the state of Utah. The seven tribes are actually sovereign nations. They don't get the same respect as other countries would. And I think that that's something that we looked to change with respect to Galena, regardless of what the current ownership is of the property. It really does belong to the ancestors of these people that were here utilizing the land before a lot of settlers came to town. And so 
um, Galena has this dual role of having a place where you can get this immense historical value, but at the same time, you need to recognize and respect it. And we're part of our job as stewards of the land is to make sure that people don't go out and try to find and pick up artifacts. Uh, and again, you learn far more from having an archaeological. Archeolo no, I was going to say an archaeologist. Oh. <laughs> going out to the site to see what is actually um, there. That's how they tell the story. There was really nothing on the surface visible that would suggest that there were roasting pits and possible house structures. This is Andy, the lead archaeologist in a 2006 excavation of the Galena site, which led to some pretty impressive discoveries. We recovered over 40,000 artifacts. Um, we discovered two house features that were about a, mo a meter below the present surface. We found evidence of cultigens. The cultigens that I am speaking of specifically were ZMAs or corn. And the corn signature showed up in everything that we sent for analysis dating back to 3,080 years ago. The significance of that is prior to our excavations there, the earliest evidence of maize this far north, actually the earliest evidence of maize in the state of Utah, was about 2,300 years ago. My name is Milo. We're back at Roland Hall. One of the rotations or activities that we would do as, as groups while we were there would look for clues of, about the past and you would find pieces of bone or arrowheads and the more you would search around and look in that area, the more it would kind of give you a way to sort of look back into the past and see what the area was like and what this community would have looked like even hundreds or thousands of years ago. The archaeological records, so the things that are left behind by previous occupants of any given area, it's a snapshot into their daily life and I find that incredibly interesting. But development is encroaching on these things and if you're looking at the history or archaeology in particular as a book, you know, development one by one is basically tearing pages out of that book. If we don't study some of those pages and learn the lessons that we can learn from the past, then possible solutions to problems that we're facing today, people have probably seen in the past. How did they deal with them? We learn from that. How can we deal with things that we're facing now? So had we, had we not protected Galena, those pages would have in fact been ripped out and that history and that knowledge all been lost. Is that right? Yeah. But I have a question. What? <laughs> How did this even all start? And he called me and he said, look, I've got this amazing piece of property along the Jordan River. Uh, this was 1999. That person who Wendy, our executive director, is talking to on the phone is Mont Evans. This is 1999. Utah Open Lands was about nine years old. I was in my 20s. And you had never been to the prison before? <laughs> no, Marie. I hadn't been Shocking. in prison. Shocking. 
That's right. The initial meeting place for Galina Sunkani Preserve's future was held at the state prison. And that is why Galina Sunkani Preserve has also been known as the prison site. The Division of Forestry, Fire and State Lands approached us in 2007 and asked us to start looking at the conservation easement because that was also something that the legislation stipulated. Believe it or not, when we worked through it with Representative Mont Evans, um, it actually called for the land to be placed under a conservation easement. And we had been starting to do that when some of these other forces came into play and had that conservation easement process halted. Sarah, you had had a question that I thought was really interesting, which was along the lines of how long it had took to get this thing done. Yeah, it seems like it took, what, a decade? Yeah, it did. That's it insane. Did. It, it, it was, but there were a lot of things that came up. So you said the project had been halted at one point. What, what was that? What, why was it halted? Um, you know, one of the things that really summed it up best was a Salt Lake Tribune article that was written by Rebecca Walsh. And actually, she wrote in it. I have it here. She wrote, um, that's how we do things here. Every inclination skews towards development. That's why Greg Curtis, former House Speaker, current lobbyist, and self-described boogeyman what i know <sighs> exclamation points Ooh. um can delay the conservation of the only known ancient house in the county and so there were other forces at play that came in to um disrupt the whole process but there were a lot of organizations from utah rivers council to the archaeological society to the tribes themselves and there were actually some resolutions as well so this this is one here that says uh, the state of Utah recently passed legislation signed by Governor John Huntsman to approve a land swap deal which would allow the Utah Transit Authority to build a front-runner rail station in Draper, Utah, in southern Salt Lake County. And I think that having the tribes come out so strongly with respect to why this was important was definitely a really critical element, but there were there were others. And some of them paid a huge price for coming out and defending it. In fact, the former state archaeologist, Kevin Jones, he was actually quoted as saying that in the Salt Lake Valley, most of the places where the significant archaeological sites are, they're already torn up. We've already covered them over with buildings and concrete. One of the options that was on the board was to not have the tracks or the, the front runner station there but to have a parking lot there. And the logic was that if we capped it with asphalt or concrete, well, that would protect the archeology. span Well, that, it doesn't work that way, you know? <laughs> you may be sealing it, but you're not protecting it because with cars, with traffic over top of it, it's compacting it, it's crushing it, it's destroying it. But that's not what happened here. We were able to save it. We but prevailed. It it, we did, but it was definitely a moment um, where we all collectively took a big breath and said, I don't know if this is going to be able to be protected. It's not that unrealistic to believe that we could have lost Galena to development. A lot of this development going around, around uh, Galena uh, is, I think it's kind of indicative of the future. I think uh, yeah. before we know it, this will be even that much more special because it's just this open space here in the middle of uh, a lot of developed areas. And I, I see people from these businesses coming down to use uh, Galena, um, use the trail quite often. That's actually quite a bit of the folks who like to, um, to volunteer here and things. So there's yeah, a lot of right. 
um, people who have really uh, you know, kind of a special place in their heart for Galena. There's definitely, I feel like, because we, we've spoken to other businesses about this before, but they seem to be moving into Utah in particular because of the nearby open spaces, which is really cool, but it's because their employees are happier at work when they have access to that kind of thing and the productivity increases as yep. along with that, which is great. I agree. I've heard a lot of these guys have uh, programs uh, where they get a certain amount of exercise time or outside time yeah. during the day or that's like paid. like ski hours and yeah. stuff. So yeah. I think that's pretty cool. It's, uh, it's neat to have that culture here in Utah. We know that open space confers additional economic benefit. There is a, a fine balance. You can't just continue to build, but you can't say you're not going to build and not think about your tax revenue and how you're going to sustain your city. It is not an uncommon perception that the main way to do that is solely through development, and we hear a lot of people talking about this. However, when polled, here is what Soren found out about the balance between development and open space. So there were thousands of people that participated in community events and surveys and focus groups and town hall meetings. And one of the priorities that rose very quickly to the top across the entire region was connecting to natural places. I'm surprised, like, every single time I've come out to Galena, there's always people using it. Oh, Even today, it's freezing absolutely. cold. But yeah. we just saw someone bike by, which It's is amazing. Really nice. Like, there's so many people from the surrounding neighborhoods who use it. There's a lot of folks who come out and see the birds out here. Um, or learn more about the history, yeah. but a lot of people don't know exactly what this is. We're working really hard to, um, to you know, get some educational information here so people know more about what Galena is. We need champions that have these life-changing experiences to begin to become stewards and leaders and others that will help with the transformations that we hope to make. Champions. So who are these champions? They're they're the students that we talked to from Roland Hall. I think they're they're you and me, right? I mean, right. They're the people that are using it daily and that are encouraging other people to use it daily and they're advocates essentially of open space. And I don't know if I put this on the list, but what's yeah. your what's your favorite memory of Galena and working on Galena? Oh man, there's so many. Uh, my favorite <coughs> memory of working on Galena. I think I think we have this little restoration site down here, mm -hmm. and I think there was a, like a pretty specific time where we were working with one of the UCC crews, like the Conservation Corps, oh, yeah. um, doing a project. And one of the people in the UCC crew was just super inquisitive about like why we do things and how we do them, and just um, ultimately, I think my experience with them was probably like my favorite um, part of working here. But then, like today on my walk back, I left the whole group back there and was walking it back by myself. And I saw tons of birds, and I couldn't even tell you what they are. Yeah. But I actually, like, I bought a bird book so I could start being better about IDing oh, cool. these birds and That's things. Really and cool. um, every time I come out here is my favorite time. It's it's really a pretty special place. I, I like to work out here. In 2012, the National Land Trust Alliance held its land trust rally. So this is a gathering of over 1,700 land trusts from around the country. Probably 2,500 people attended. And part of what happens during that uh, rally is uh, you take field trips. And so we decided to do a field trip on the Galena Sunkani Preserve. We asked Rupert Steele, who had been the chairman of the Confederated Tribe of the Goshute, and we asked him if he would come and give a little talk to people about his involvement in helping to protect this property. Rupert has a very deep but very low kind of soft voice. So we were all standing up on the bluff along the trail on Galena 
facing, looking down into the Jordan River. And he began and talking about what this area meant to many different tribes because they all feel that they have an ancestral connection to this land. In fact, um, the conservation easement states that and makes them a stakeholder. As he was talking, this red-tailed fox came out from the bushes along the Jordan River. And everybody saw it, and it just sat there and paused, almost like it was listening to Rupert. And it sounds kind of silly and kind of crazy, but it is definitely far and away one of my absolute favorite memories of the property. I'm going to add a question, which I might not put in, but this will be the second episode. And on each episode, we will have mentioned the word exhausting when talking about land conservation. So I wanted to put it out there and ask, why do you continue to do this work if it's so exhausting? I know it's rewarding, but what makes you keep having those fights for land protection? This may sound a little corny, but it really is. Uh, you're laughing already and I haven't even said Just it. Just for the cheesiness. Okay. But I love a bit of cheese. <laughs> so <laughs> go for it. Um, I I think that what keeps me going, and I think everybody at Utah Open Lands going, is really the benefits that it can provide as a refuge to not just wildlife, but even us as humans. When you go down to Galena and you see the people using that property and enjoying it and the smiles and the contemplation that they gain from being on that property, it's more than rewarding. It's a responsibility that I feel really proud to bear. I see kind of us as this conduit for a greater consciousness. So as exhausting as it may be now, it makes you realize that this is about something bigger. And so, yeah, it may be exhausting at the moment, but it's worth it. And it's kind of how I sleep at night.